This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Hey traders, this is Eddie Horn from Top Step Trader, and this is Limit Up. This is where we talk to traders, market participants, and trading psychologists to help you improve your trading. And we've got a new episode every week, so make sure you subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. Now, this week, I'm joined again uh, by my good friend, Dan Hodgman, one of our performance coaches here at Top Step Trader. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hey, Eddie, I'm great. How are you? Dan, I'm good, Dan. Thanks. <laughs> Dan, this week uh, we're talking with Patrick Rooney, a longtime floor trader turned electronic trader turned automated trader. Um, I get to talk with Patrick about how he reinvented himself, which is so important with the markets nowadays. And uh, he invented reinvented himself, uh, transitioned to different types of trading and ultimately found success. Yeah, Eddie, that's so important this day and age with strategies. Uh, with our styles, with the markets, like you were just saying there, uh, things come and go. We always have to be kind of on alert, paying attention. That if we want to make this long term, uh, we want to make this a career long, long lasting. Uh, then you're going to have to change up, make tweaks and adjustments over time. We're ever evolving in this industry. Right. I mean, the thing is, if we don't evolve with the market, we're going to be left behind, and uh, it, it's going to be a good kick in the junk. Now, the most dramatic. Uh, was the shift from floor to electronic. I've got a lot of friends uh, off the trading floor. That's where I started on the trading floor mm -hmm. that uh, could not uh, adjust, could not uh, turn over to electronic trading. But then again, there was some that, that did, and they reinvented themselves. But uh, you're right in that different trading strategy work at different times. Best characteristic of a trader is adaptability. Absolutely. No doubt about that, Eddie. All right, Dan. Well, all right, Dan, let's kick things off. Here is my conversation with trader Patrick Rooney. All right. I'm here with Patrick Rooney. Patrick Rooney um, starting his financial education as a floor runner. Uh, Euro spread brokers managed order flow for filling brokers in the Euro dollar pit at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, quoted spread markets and competed for business from institutional customers. And then he moved on to being a vice president at Zimmerman Investment, uh, also independent investment operation consultant at Rooney Financial, and uh, moved on to a product manager at Zach's Investment, uh, trading Technologies, Business Analysts, and a Senior Business Analyst at Trading Technologies. And I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, Patrick Rooney. Patrick, how are you? Doing great, Eddie. Thanks for having me. Well, very, very nice to have you here today. And, uh, well, my friend, you started out way back in the day like I did. <laughs> yeah. Running orders. Um, let's let me before we go into that. Uh, boy, we've got a lot to talk about here. Uh, just want to. Uh, Get a little more information about you, a little bio. I just did a quick, quick bio on you, but give us a little more details on uh, uh, what you have been doing and, and what, what schools you went to. Uh, schools I went to, I grew up in Northwest Indiana at Valparaiso High School, and from there I went down to Butler University. Okay. Butler University, got my degree, came up, and um, I had some friends that were working at the Mercantile Exchange, working in the meets actually primarily, and some guys in the financials were mostly in the meets. And they asked me to come over there. So 
I uh, pretty much right out of school, about six months after school, I started on the floor of the Merck, running paper for Packers Trading Company in the in the meets. And from there, kind of got picked up by uh, by some guys I knew in the Eurospreaders. Eurospreaders needed some bodies at the time. Uh, the Eurodollar pit at the time was the biggest futures pit in the world. It was massive. And I was coming out of school a bit bigger than OM right now. It's stockier, and they basically picked up guys who had size to hold space in the pit because you needed some bulk to really stand in there. And back in the day, you had guys in elevator shoes and things like that, but you also had guys who were just thicker and kind of thicker. So I played linebacker in college, so I, I, I could hold floor space, basically. So that that got me a job. Uh, you know, it's one of the things, too. It's it's like you saw a new a new guy on the floor, and it's like, where's that guy from? Um, <laughs> uh, he was a linebacker for the Buckeyes. And it's like, ah, uh, dude's got a job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got, oh, yeah that's exactly Another it. guy, seven feet tall. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, no education. He's got a job. Yeah, size yeah. size matters in trading. There's no yeah. question about it. Well, well, on the pits, at least. At least the open outcry, because yeah. you, you almost had to be – uh, you, you had you had to have a, have a presence and uh, a force, yeah. and I, I want to say the word bully, and I'm gonna say the word bully. He had to be a bully, and to get some of the stuff done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got hired if you had a loud voice. Big, powerful, booming voices did it, and guys that were tall, or guys that had size, and you know, they kind of evolved into that. Even the size thing kind of went away. Even the your jackets. I mean, the trading jackets guys right. would have. That's why that kind of went so crazy and you had guys who just had the jackets that would stand out so you'd right. find very easily in the pit it was always important for that right and if you knew Petey and paulie you got to show you got yourself a job too you Pretty know much. what i'm talking about Pretty bada much, bing yeah. bada bang anyone could anyone could run cars and do a, do a card checker so that was uh yeah, yeah. contacts are always nice it was it was a good it was a good you know what it was a good time yeah it was something there let me ask you when you first got on the floor what did you first think when i first got on the floor it was like I, I, I didn't have any description. It was yeah. something I never experienced before. Yeah. The first time I was on the floor, I was still in college. And actually a friend of mine, his aunt was a floor manager for Prudential over the board of trade. And she got us on the floor over there. And I was pretty sure at that point that this is where I'd want to be. I, it, it was just, it was just unreal. It was very something you just can't explain. You don't learn in school. You didn't, you didn't have any real experience in anything like that before, but the energy no. that you felt and just the just the whole joie de vie. Everyone's so excited. Everyone's so so into it. And you know, so you saw the consternation too. People just getting crushed. Right. But where, where else? Where else do you go? That you know, we had, we had a saying in the Euro pit when I was there that if you weren't there, quoting the Euros, you're probably pumping gas someplace. So <laughs> that was it. That was true too. Right. And, and I tell you that. Like you said, you didn't learn it anywhere. It's like, you know, um, all these years with nuns teaching me, you know, morals and, <laughs> and, and spelling and math. And it's like, you know, when I, when I saw them later, they're like, well, you know, what, honey, what are you doing in life now? And it's like, well, I'm, I'm working on the trading floor and uh, no thanks to you, you know, <laughs> but um, but actually there was thanks to them. I mean, because, uh, you know, actually you know, learning under nuns, one of the biggest things was get your job done. You got a job, get it done, get yeah. it done, get it done. So that, that helped. But yeah. um, let's go back to your background and getting started. You had some friends, uh, you knew somebody's mom, uh, and that's just it. You know, my connection also, family member got me on the trading floor. Um, but how did you get started in trading? Now, trading, uh, did it start? full-time did it start hey i'm gonna just sort of 
trade here and there, get a feel of it. The, when did it start? The trading side of it was kind of, it was interesting because after I left the floor, uh, I didn't really trade in the floor. I was just, I clerked on the floor primarily, but then I spent some time working back office jobs in the industry, trying to keep my, my, my skills up and learn things and got recruited out of there to go to a startup CTA, commodity trading advisor. And, uh, Literally the first time, the first day that I was there, my boss was gone. There was only like three of us that worked there. My boss was gone. He was in New York trying to raise funds, calls me up and tells me to place a bunch of orders. And he wanted me to place orders that were in, it was options on yen and DMARC features at the time. And he wanted me to buy some calls and sell some puts. And I had never done options before. So I was just kind of at a bit of a loss. That was a fun challenge in the first place. So hey. Once you got futures and commodities, cool. I'm I'm good to go. I I, I know what's you know a price for one lot, two. All of a sudden, you got the options, puts, calls, spread. Yeah, and and now you're in once again a, another world. You're in a very different world. Yes, a you're different right. world. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I mean, I I had that problem too, and I lasted maybe two weeks. I said, you know what, uh, let's go back to the futures and. Uh, Kept going from there, but otherwise, yeah, yeah you, you you've got to be sort of a a certain type of person to to understand, you know, uh, how to get around options. I imagine it, it, it if I would have gave it some time and gave it some work, I would have caught on. But at, at that time, I mean, everything's like snap, snap, fast pace. You know, yeah. hey, if, if you can't do it, get out of here. You know, get somebody else. Yeah. And it was like, you know, I'm telling myself, you know, you know what? So I don't want somebody to tell me get out of here you can't do it so i'm gonna like bow out uh yeah. respectfully yeah and uh yeah i don't want to cause anybody big money yeah no i and i was fortunate that he had called and left me these orders and told me to do this and i kind of was like oh, i'll figure it out but then i called down to the floor um this is pre-electronic trading days this is like 94 and uh fortunately one of the brokers that i got a hold of the first one i talked to was very very helpful very very much aligned. He's like, this is what you want to do. He'd been taking care of my boss's orders for, for a long time anyway. So uh, you know what? Your boss took care of him in the holidays. That's why I want to yeah, make sure. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. You know they, they, uh, I'll take care of you. We moved, we moved some size in the day. So yeah, the brokers, they, they liked us a good deal. So of course. Of course. All right. Now starting trading. We all have struggles. I mean, uh, a lot of people hear about the, uh, you know, buy low, sell high, buy low. I can do that all day long. Well, the thing is, give it a try and we'll see how far you get. But what were some of your struggles and uh, uh, to getting to your uh, your full potential of being a trader? Uh, well, some, some of the struggles were simply off the fact that when, when I started trading for CTA, we had a bunch of money. We had a lot of money in our management. So I was throwing around good size, good quantity and stuff like that. And when I transitioned to being a, a trader in my own account after that, it was just a little bit different feel to a certain ex certain extent where yeah I had to realize every mistake I write I, I make right now is basically going against my rent check and it kind of had, yeah. it certain, certainly added pressure right to the game so that made that kind of forced me to clean up my game a little bit and uh, it got me to be certainly much more focused and much more devoted to the craft let me ask you something uh, a lot of educators say, you need to have skin to learn, skin in the game. That means trading real money. On the other side of the coin, a lot of educators say, start with a sim. You don't want to risk losing money. 
what would you say if somebody came new new trader and uh, you know said Patrick, you know I want to learn how to trade. Yeah, which direction would you point them into? Well, I would definitely stick them in the sim for a period of time. I mean, you you've got to have the fundamentals. You got to know that okay. Well, I click here to buy. I click here to sell. How do you enter an order? I mean, it's not as easy as people might naturally think to actually sit there and click trade or algo trade or anything like that. You've got to have some fundamentals in it. Uh, even getting the vernacular correct as far as doing things, you definitely want to spend some time in the sim. All right. All right, cool. Now, Patrick, you used to be a discretionary trader, but with limited success until you started to define the strategies and rules and then automate it. Tell us about the transition uh, from your discretionary trading to your automation trade. Well, discretionary kind of kind of went away for me to a certain extent for a couple of years because I just I just I lived off of her a few years, which is fine and great. And I had a, had had a year and a half or so that was actually really great. And then eventually realized I've got to go back and find something else because this isn't working for me. It wasn't really a it wasn't really enough to again cover my rent at one point, and I was like, that's it, I got to go. So then I went back and got a nine to five job working for an investment research company and then moved along the trail. But along the time, I've always wanted to have my foot in the game a little bit and get some action into it. And I know I don't really have the time to really focus and sit there and watch the screens all day, wait for setups, execute, and then put my risk my risk parameters on and actually deal with that stuff. So that's why automation just kind of came into a natural mindset for me that this is the way it could be done. You could still actually automate your trading and move forward. And that's helped a great deal or it helps a great deal because again, it removes a lot of the onus of having to go in and say, well, should I, should I put this order in? I know my signal's there. Do I have to do it? No, it's just going to go. It's just going to go. There's no hemming and hawing. There's no scratching yourself and saying, nah, it, it works. It works better for me. And I know that a lot of people like to trade from the gut and I totally believe in trading from the gut. I think it's, you, it's, it can be done. And a lot of people are phenomenal at it, but for me, yeah, I can do it, but, I'd rather I'd rather have something that's locked in. All right. Now, to automate your strategy, um, you have to really have it well-defined. Now, yeah. how did you approach that? I actually, it, it even goes back to when I was trading up, trading up search for the fund. We, our modeling was done on graph paper at the time. We actually wrote out every single trade. We had long strips of what the actual market data was going back. And we back tested by hand. I still kind of do that with automated trading now. Uh, where I will sketch it out on a piece of paper and say, this is the entire flow. It's a big flow chart. It basically says what's going to happen if this happens, what's going to happen if that happens. Gets it mapped out. And then I use a software from TT and I use ADL. And ADL, it's basically a drag and drop suite of blocks of logic. And I can just connect those together like a flow chart, essentially. Right. Right. And that'll, that'll build the algo for me. Now, after you found a strategy that was consistent enough to be profitable, uh, the next step, automate that strategy because the uh, the markets change over time now. How do you build in the ability to change with the market? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a few ways to get around that. One, you keep multiple models around, which is what I, which is what I kind of do based upon what's going on. I've got different models that are going to work in trending markets, different models that will work in um, markets are going sideways. If it's a chop market, chop market, no one really wants to go in a chop market, but you can make money in chop markets. And I've, and I, you know, I've made money doing that in the years past by, you know, writing options, doing whatever you got to do 
it's a little more difficult in the futures market to actually make money in the chop market, but you can still pull it off. So it's, it's a question of identifying what type of market you're going into. I don't have any dynamic. I wouldn't say I have any dynamic models that will actually automatically shift and say, okay, I'm in a, I'm in a trending market, change the rules. No, what I'm going to do at that point, I'm going to stop that, that algo basically just go to a different algo. All right. Now, does your automation have an early warning system that uh, can cause you or itself to pause execution and until you can sort of take a look at it, review it, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. e- that's e- that's easy to do. You, I, I build in monetary or percentage loss type of rules into the algo that say I'm just going to stop running this algo right now because this isn't working. Okay, yeah, Patrick, walk us through what goes into an automated strategy. The automated strategy, there's, there's different type of strategies you, you want to build. You can build ones that are simple order entry algos. And the order entry algos are, they're basically like order types. Let's say I want to have a specific type of stop. I want to get, I want to stop into the market if it breaks through this, this old high or something like that. That's easy enough to do. You can have full suite type of algos too that now, once it gets stopped in, I'm going to put some algo logic around that as well too that says that I'm going to get stopped in, but I'm going to put a, profit order up here based off of whatever, a dollar amount, a tick amount, and perhaps going to lock in a trailing stop underneath as well too. So I'm going to follow the market higher or it's going to, you know, if the market comes down, it's just going to take me out. Now, um, talk about uh, looking and adjusting and fine tuning and tweaking. And um, how often do you do that? How often do you have to get in there and uh, adjust something? And now, I'm not sure if it's a set it, forget it thing, or uh, are you constantly looking at it and looking at the market? Well, it, it depends. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly looking at the market because, I mean, my full-time job is kind of, it's with TT and it's kind of doing things over there as far as the marketing side of it. And a lot of that has to do with watching the market and kind of putting out information, what's going on with the market's a good deal. So I'm in there all the time. Um, if, is that necessary? Probably not. For the models, at least I build some. Some they are, some they aren't. But I still enjoy looking at charts all day long, and I I'm a chart fanatic. I look at charts all day long, all night long, because you you see things. It's easy to see things to pick up, and it's like you know what? Can I automate that? I see it moving right there. I see something on a chart. I'm looking at Eddie's screen right now, and there's like there's stuff there. It's like oh, look what happened there. I wonder if I could actually automate a trade off of that. See now now that's a good thing because it, you're you're immersed in it. You're uh, you're looking at everything and even like a movement in a chart, you know, it, it sort of follows you right into, can I automate that? And, and <laughs> yeah. but I mean, that's a good practice if you're, if you've got the passion, desire and you're serious. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, just anything you, anything you see, do you try to automate it? Um, Usually you, numbers and, and such. To an, to an extent I do. I mean, I've, I've, I write algos all day long. So that's kind of what I do. That's kind of what I do as well as commenting on markets and putting charts out there and stuff like that. So it's kind of, yeah, I, I like to do it. I like to build things. You know, it's, 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 it's fun to build that type of stuff, you know, running simulations, say, Hey, that kind of worked or, you know, I got to work more on this. So. Oh yeah. Oh no, I definitely understand that. Now let's go, let's go back to the, uh, the point and click trader, the discretionary trader. Um, how can somebody uh, that's trading electronic here, learn uh, from the process someone goes through to automate a strategy what would you sort of give to a discretionary trader as uh, um, uh, the game plan for success 
the game plan I think is going to be laid out is first, can you, I mean, anyone, whatever, what type of journey do you have to be able to articulate what you're doing? You have to be able to articulate it, explain it out very clearly. And then what I tell a lot of people to do is don't just explain it to yourself, say it out loud to yourself, make sure you understand that, explain it to someone else. Explain it to someone else who's not a trader. Explain it to someone else who's not a trader because if they can understand what you're doing, then you've probably got it down simple enough. With, I think what a lot of people are doing in the first place, what I run into is they're, they're, go, they're just going for too much complexity. There's too much going on. There's too many things they're, they're working on. And they may think they understand what's going on, but there's a lot of nuance there that doesn't really, it doesn't really help their trading. It really just becomes a distraction. So make sure you can articulate it. If you can articulate it, you can explain it to someone else. They can actually explain it back to you. Write it down. Do a flow chart. Do something that actually shows. And then from that flow chart, you might be able to find something to help you build that algo. You, I mean, there's a lot of software out there that allows you to build algos pretty easy these days. Awesome. Now, when you write algos, uh, do you recognize algos working in the market? Uh, yeah. I mean, everyone can to a certain extent. Most point and click guys. I've got a lot of friends, a lot of contacts who are you know locals in the different pits that still point and click traders. Some of them are algo traders too. That they'll contact me right away. It's like, yeah, this is what's going on. You know, it's a certain timer order. It's a certain slicer order. It's a certain whatever. This or the same algo shows up every day in this market at you know one at one fifteen, or the same algo shows up every day at nine twenty every Tuesday. People can identify things. There's no no question about that. Now, being a discretionary trader, being the point and click trader, I am, and there's many of us out there. Should we fear the future of the algo trader? No, I wouldn't think so. I mean, people people worry if it's going to be algos fighting algos, and I don't know. I think that just creates more opportunity anyway, to to a great extent. It's it, it gets sloppy. The things that are just 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 happen. So no, I don't think point and click necessarily ever goes away. I mean, I know that you know a, a TTA trading technologies we we like to feature automated trading and things like that, but we certainly have a large world of point and click trade as well too and i don't see them really fading away or anything like that all right because i know i know there's a lot of talk and you know it, it, it it's it's a tough battle when you're uh when you're pitted against robots you know i mean you know we all watch terminator we know what it's about you know there's there's no winning here being a human and uh you know there's there's a there's a talk of fear about it and i'm, I'm glad you sort of uh, you didn't clear the air, but you gave us uh, you, you gave us some hope. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it it is it is what it is. I can't. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine a day that it's going to come. You can't sit down at your desk and say, "I think I should buy," you know, buy corn right now because the chart looks good. Just yeah. do it. I mean, there's there's no reason you should never never be able to still do that. It doesn't matter how many algos are out there running. Hey, how much of the market's volatility do you think is algos? Uh, I think it's much less than people think. I think, actually, I think algos can, can what's the word, neck constrained, but the, I think, I think algos actually work pretty good at actually holding volatility back to a large extent. And you could look at, and that's why a lot of people kind of look at, um, Bitcoin for a certain, for a certain extent, you know, Bitcoin went to the futures market back in December, January, and the volatility has gone a great deal. It's like, well, is that because of the features or is it because of the fact that there's more algos running in it? I don't know. Could be able to both, but algos in their in their own nature, I don't think they're going to create volatility. I think they might take advantage of it. I think they also might think 
to control a little bit, but I don't think they're going to create volatility necessarily. Volatility is created by panic, I think, more than anything else. You think that's sort of carried over from the open outcry? Yeah. You think it's it's more or less? Um, are you talking the volatility? The panic. The Into pa- volatility. The, the panic. Um, I think it's more now. I, I think I think in the in the open outcry, you could you could see the eyes of the people you're dealing with to a certain extent too. You could see Tom Baldwin over there. You could see the guys that were really holding the book, that were really making the making the big difference in the pit. So you, it, it, there was some comfort to that. Right. You don't really get as much comfort looking at the order book and automated trading or in you know any type of electronic trading because you know again everyone always looks is that real. Right. Electronic trading, you never have somebody saying. Give me a bid. Give me a bid. Give yeah. me an offer. Yeah. And you, you get an idea which way the market might uh, might lean a bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, for someone just getting started into this thing we call trading, uh, what would be your best advice? Find a mentor. Don't try and do it on your own or you're going to lose a, mon- a lot of money and or a lot of hair or a lot of patience or a lot of everything. Um, it's just not something that's built on figuring out on your own. I think you want to get in, you want to get in. And I know you guys have a good program with that here too. I think, I think you do. You have like trading mentors. Right. We got, uh, we got coaches here, John Hoagland, uh, one of our coaches here at Top Step Trader. Yeah. And I, and I've talked to guys too, like Anthony Crudelli and other folks who are big into mentoring, teaching people to trade. It's, it's not something you want to step into. Never, ever did I see someone walk into a pit day one and be able to just trade on their own and pull it off either. It just doesn't work. Because one, in the pits, people wouldn't trade with you because they didn't trust you to know who you were. But two, if you didn't have someone else, the the evolution of traders back back in the day in the pits when I was there was essentially you had to get someone that trusted you enough that they put a $50,000 T-bill basically in your name. Right. And they put that T-bill in your name. And now you're trading off of their money pretty much. So they're not going to do that unless you're following their rules. They're basically saying this is pretty much how you trade. You follow this is what this is what I've learned. This is what you can do as well too. And you know, and I'm going to take a portion of your winnings and things like that. But that's fine. But we're, we have rules, and you're going to follow these rules, or else I'll just pull that T bill and you're back to you know you're back into a yellow jacket again. Right. You know, one of the things too is when somebody new stepped inside the pit, you know, I'd be like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Who, do you know this guy? Who is this guy? Do you know this guy? Who is this? You know, and and and, and it, things would sort of iron themselves out. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, he's he's so and so's cousin, or you know, he's coming from Bear Stern. Uh, he's you know, or he was a clerk over in the Euros. He wants to trade currencies. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. I know. Okay, he's and then once one guy would say, "Hey, you know that he's all right." You know, then it sort of everything yeah. would sort of uh, yeah, but fit into place. Otherwise, if you went straight. I mean, when I say yellow jacket, yellow jacket was the color of the jacket that the clerks, clerks, the, clerks, phone clerks, the, pit clerks, and the brokers would have a red jacket or a different colored fun jacket. But if someone walked into like the Europe when I was there and they had, they had a, they had a badge day one, they had like a, one of the cool jackets and it's like, uh, you, you don't know what that is. So it's like, all right, we're going to pop this kid's trust fund right now because this is just not right. He shouldn't be in here. And he couldn't, well, I mean, the hard part too was just physically getting a space to stand in. Right. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. That you know, th- that's my space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I stand there. No, you can't. And uh, one of the things here, uh, the, the Chicago Mercantile had the most millionaires per square foot, and literally, 
you had about a square foot. That was your yeah. it was your spot. You stand right, right there. Yeah. It's your square foot. And that's where you, you can't don't stand on my square foot. I'll, I'll bump you right off it. No, you got you got to know each other really well. <laughs> yes, more, more well than you cared. To. Right, the old butt to nut to yes. butt to nut, yeah. and uh, I'm not going to explain it. Try figuring that one out. Yeah. But um, all right, now Patrick, um, being in the finance world and being a trader, there's a lot of scary moments. Scary moments. Uh, I've had many of those on the trading floor here in electronic and so forth. But uh, would you be able to uh, share uh, one of your scariest trades that you ever did? Um, the scariest trade that I ever did basically got me out of trading because I, 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 I flat out put on, I put on a position. I remember it was a Swiss franc position and it was, um, wasn't huge, but it wasn't tiny either. And I literally fell asleep. Didn't have a stop on, didn't have anything on. Woke up because the phone was ringing and it was the out trade clerk. And he was, he was like, we just took you out of that. Do you realize what you did? And I'm like, do I want to know? He's like, you probably don't, but that one cost you. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it was, it was my own stupidity. I didn't follow my own rules. I'd, I'd come home, I'd been, I'd been to dinner with some friends and saw, looked at a chart and I was like, that looks pretty good. W went and put the position on and just didn't put a stop in and I let it go overnight. You fell asleep. I did fall asleep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Pat Patrick does not sleep anymore. <laughs> never has he slept since that day. No, never. No, that that forced me back into a nine to five job. Thank you very much. So. And then, and, and you got back, well, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what what got you back? Just, I mean, it really seems like you got the passion and desire. Did that have anything to do with getting you back in, or did you have somebody sort of kicking you in the ass, going, "Come on"? Um, twofold. I mean, I, I i got I got back in because I mean, you never really lose lose the taste for it. You know, I I had to get equity again, which is one thing. So you had to work for a couple of years and get the equity back, and then once I got some equity back, and I had some. This is the this is the important part. I had some expendable money again at one point in time, so then I got back into it to a certain extent. Okay, and that that just made a difference for me. So. All right, now here in the Top Step Trader broadcast booth, uh, we this turns into a, a time machine. We're going to go back in time, Patrick, and you're going to be able to tell yourself one thing, one thing in life. So we go back into time, and you see the younger Patrick. Uh, what would you tell yourself? The one thing as you started out, what would that be? Be more disciplined. More disciplined, more, more disciplined, flat out. Just be more disciplined in the fact that have your rules, have your goals, have your have your design, have your plan, but stick to it. Don't don't flitter about. Don't actually change your mind. Don't move around. Find something that works. Stick with it, and and you know, I mean, get your edge and run with it. So. But don't don't waver from your rule set. That's probably the biggest thing is take is taking those one off random trades that really add little value, but they're just kind of they just add excitement. But the excitement really it might work for you, but it's also going to burn you. Right. I mean, if if you want it, uh, do the work. Don't half-ass it. Don't shortcut it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a very long process to get you where you want to be. And uh, if you find a shorter road, uh, most likely you're not going to be in the right place. Yeah. 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 Now, um, Patrick, 
where can people find you online? I mean, uh, I've followed you on Twitter. I'll, I'll let you tell them about that. But uh, if you're listening right now, I, I want you to go on Twitter if you've got Twitter and follow Patrick because you're very thorough. You're not. I mean, a lot of people on Twitter uh, do just metals, or we'll do just the the equities, or we'll, you're you're all you do everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I do, and a lot of people comment on that. But um, yeah, I do. I, I watch charts from everything because I'm always looking for a new opportunity for one thing. And also, we we cover. I just cover a lot of stuff, and it interests me. So that's awesome. I that's do awesome. It. So so where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Patrick Rooney. All right, spell that out. Uh, Patrick Rooney, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-R-O-O-N-E-Y. And yeah, you'll find a great deal of uh, charts on there for sure because I tweet out uh, a dozen or two charts a day minimum. So yeah, sometimes it's a nice little commentary. Sometimes it's just kind of random a lot of the markets up, but uh, sometimes I'll put some thoughts into it. And one thing, Patrick, though, you do your work. You, you don't half-ass it. <laughs> and, and, and as I'm going through Twitter, it's like hey, I'm scrolling or I'm picking up some new tweets and it's like, oh, cool. Pat put something up. All right. Let me take a look at it. Um, but no, I really appreciate that. Anywhere else? Uh, email if they want to get a hold of you. Uh, yeah, you can email me, Patrick at trade.tt. OK, trade.tt. T. The yeah. letter T. Yeah, that's my trading technologies email. So you can always get me there. OK. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of my life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Patrick, I appreciate coming. I appreciate you coming out here and uh, doing the podcast for us. It, you know, it was very refreshing uh, talking to you because I, you know, I followed you. I think we followed each other yeah. here uh, for a while, but it, you know, I, I'm glad that we got to meet each other, talk about uh, basically old times, uh, the yeah. progression. You know, you progressed. You went one path. I did another path. But uh, it, it's really neat how we sort of come full circle and met here today and uh, talked about uh, you know, talked about the 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 career of trading. It is, it is good. It's 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 fun to see old floor guys who have kind of like circled around and find a way to stay in the game one one arm or another because it's it's a very addictive game. So it's nice to have a hand somehow some way whatever you can. Cool. Now that we're even closer, you think <laughs> we can we can find a medium somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so, since well, I'm only two blocks down the street, too. So. Hell, let's go to Al's for beef. There you go. Oh, that's Al's even a better idea. Boy, manja, manja. That, is, that is good. I'm, I'm done with that. All right, my friend. All right. All right. Patrick Rooney, appreciate it. Thanks, All Eddie. the best, partner. Take care. Thank Cheers. you. All right. All right, Dan. Dan, now I know you work with traders every day to help them with the psychological and tactical aspects of trading. Uh, it seems that Patrick hit a period of stagnant performance. He hit a wall, okay? And um, sometimes when we do run face first into a wall, we do realize things, all right? Now, it seemed that it helped him realize something needed to be changed, okay? Is that how it typically happens? You know, yeah. What the, the one thing that always stands out to me is when people recognize that there is a change needs to be made, they think very drastic when more often than not, it's just minor little changes. Um, if it's, you know, looking at the market from a different perspective or entering the market in a different way than you normally would. Um, those are the things that I'm always trying to help traders recognize. It's not so much a huge drastic change, small little tweaks, 
over time, we're going to be evolving and moving in the right direction. All right. Now, it seemed Patrick realized his strength was in trading strategy. Um, you know, you talk to a lot of traders, too. When do they realize what is actually getting them forward or helping them um, to progress successfully? Once they find consistency. Once they create consistency in their trading, whether it's good or bad outcomes, that consistency right there is how we start to find those minor little tweaks that need to be made. Okay, here, this is what we're doing right and this is what we're doing wrong. Because we've been consistent, we can actually dissect their trading and uh, and take it to another level. What should traders do about their weaknesses, Dan, if something is not going right? Well, the first thing we got to do is take a look at what the strengths are. And, um, so you can, we're all going to have weaknesses in trading there. We're all going to have our, our, our Achilles heel, so to speak in our trading. And, uh, if we can really focus on what we do well, we can utilize those strengths to overcome some of those weaknesses and propel us forward. Now, how do you break it down for a trader? Uh, now being a trader, uh, I'm getting by, but you know, I'm not sure what my strengths are. What is getting me by? How do you... I ask a trader, how do you find out through to a trader uh, what his strengths are that can get him by so he can work on his weaknesses? Amazingly, we, you can see it so easily. You know, tops of trader, we have the dashboard. It's so easy to find those those strengths in traders. Um, a lot of times when a trader says, I don't know what my strengths are, I feel like I'm struggling. It's actually, they're just at a down point in their trading there is a lot of positive that we can find. And uh, if it's reading the market, uh, it's understanding price action and order flow. Um, if it's, you know, a good self-control and discipline, those are strengths. Those are really vital strengths that we can utilize to overcome some weaknesses. Now, Dan, with the market, the way it's been, uh, I mean, coming in here 2018, we've seen a different market. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes as we progress, um, we're, we're doing fine and we're not really thinking too much about strategy. We're just going from day to day and uh, using that same strategy. Now, what would you do or what would you, information would you give a trader um, that has been using a strategy for a long time? It has been working. Uh, markets are changing and now things just aren't working for that trader. Mm -hmm. What's a good suggestion to that trader? Let's sit down. I mean, it, there's a lot of uh, lot of avenues we can we can go, but first, it's let's sit down. Uh, where where is the struggle? Is it um, <clears throat> we're seeing poor entries? Are stops too tight or stops too loose? Um, you know, there's so many avenues of approach there. So it really, it's a break it down and find where the failure is occurring. Where is that failure? And it can be so many different things, but that's the most important thing. Really got to break it down, find where the point of failure is in the strategy. Right. You know, sometimes I ask myself that, that question of, uh, you know, do I need to change things up when day after day after day, uh, it seems like I'm fighting the market. And, you know, the thing is, uh, if you keep fighting the market, that stress level is going to rise, yep. your focus is going to fog, and things just aren't going to work out. You're going to be wondering, why isn't it working out? I'm doing everything as I did before. I'm doing everything uh, that I did before for success. 
and uh, that, that's something I think a lot of traders nowadays with these with these new markets, um, they need to pay attention and they need to focus on. Mm -hmm. I mean, you said it right when we first sat down uh, before we listened to the your interview there. You said it very well. The traders had a hard time transitioning from floor to screen because it was something new. What they knew then, what worked and made them successful on the floor did not work on the screen. And so that's the same thing here. It's just minor tweaks, make those adjustments, and that's where we can be continuing to propel forward. Right. You know, I, I, to be honest with you, uh, being on the floor for such a long time, I did take the basics of what I learned on the trading floor and applied it to electronic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel that gave me the edge. Of course, um, these are very basics, and I think everybody, you know, should know about these. And, and we talk about them on the broadcast here at Top Step Trader, and our coaches talk about them uh, on the one-on-ones. And these are things that I mentioned are basic, but they need to be with us each and every day. And, and the thing is, sometimes a good checklist Mm -hmm. uh, to check it off, you know, am I applying this? Am I, am I seeing this? Am I doing this? And that'll get you through the day. That'll get you through the market change and that'll get you to a funded account. Exactly. I, I think that checklist is one of the most vital things. It's one of the first things I sit down with traders. So let's make a checklist. You yeah. know what you're doing, right? We know where you're struggling. We know where the emotion comes in. Let's just make sure we're checking that those boxes off. You have to. You have yes. To. All right. Well, Dan, thanks so much for joining me today. All right, traders, as always, thank you for spending time with us. If you could, please give us feedback on any of our interviews at LimitUp at TopStepTrader.com. And if you got some time, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks so much. Danny, thank you very much. Thank and, you, uh, Eddie. Hope to talk to you soon. We'll see you very soon. All right. See everybody next time. Take care. Trade well. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.